On this episode, we discuss the Sylvester Stallone, Robert De Niro boxing movie Grudge Match, which is only slightly more interesting than watching two non-famous elderly people fight. Flop house. I'm Straganana. Hey! <laughs> oh man, right off the top, we got jokes. Call back to the last episode of your baffling <laughs> pasta confusion. Which which foreign which was it who liked pasta? Was it the Russian one? Probably. Russians are known for their spaghetti-based meals. <laughs> Perhaps it was some sort of Japanese fox spirit. <laughs> nope, Straganana. They, they sound similar enough. That's true. So who are you really? I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And this is Elliot Kalin talking right now. Hey, and the Flophouse house cat. Yeah, um, that's him. So I apologize to <laughs> everybody. He's passing way to the bathroom with a magazine <laughs> under his arm. Did, you, did he say Hail Hydra? No. Uh, I think spoiler? so. Spoiler? It would be weird, though, because he doesn't like comic book movies. No, he hates them. So Ever since Phantom <laughs> failed to live up to his expectations. <laughs> He Just don't tell him the road to perdition is based on a comic book. Oh, You'd be really pissed off. so mad. Or yeah. History of Violence. Yeah. That house cat. face off. <laughs> house cat walked into the Phantom and was like, uh, I was expecting him to smash evil, <laughs> but he just kind of lightly brushed evil. Uh, well, yep. it'd be weird for him to expect to smash evil since the tagline of the movie was slam evil. Oh, boy. <laughs> And I think you'll find evil was thoroughly slammed. Yeah. Just like you've just been, idiot. Slammed like a Mountain just, Dew Code Red. Yeah. So just put those uh, Flophouse House keys on the desk, I guess. Oh, yep, counter. you're fired. Give me your badge and your gun. Did I say gun? I meant gum. Can I have some? Um, so... We have so what is this podcast thoroughly doing? alienated any new listeners. All we've alienated is Billy Zane. By starting out, one with a callback and then two with a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. But Stregano's nonsense. Let's set up this podcast. This podcast is a bad movie podcast where we watch a bad movie mm-hmm. and then we talk about it. Do we ever? And in this case, we watched a movie called Grudge Match. Grudge Match. See, I always thought it was called I Always Thought because this has been a long time. <laughs> because this movie's been around <laughs> my whole entire movie. life. Uh, I thought it was called Stallone versus De Niro. I uh, thought it was called Rocky versus the Bull. Okay. Yeah, yeah this is a movie that uh, plays on. But like our the knowledge. posters just said Stallone versus De Niro but then they said way big. Match but in like little letters. Well, because the, you're like little the, baby letters. <laughs> little baby, little tiny letters <laughs> that are like, where, where, where? Change my letter diapers. <laughs> But this is definitely a movie that plays it is entirely a movie. You're right, Dan. on our knowledge of other movies. Yeah, this is so the movie. It's this starred Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro as ex-boxers who had a famous rivalry 30 years ago, and now they're going to get their chance to settle is this their differences. The summary already? Is no, this summary? This is my pre- summary. Oh, uh, okay. Settle their differences in the ring as old men. Two huh. jokes. Yeah, about being old. But you're right. It, this movie is meaningless without the in. Without the existence of Rocky and Rage, without the knowledge that uh, these actors have, yeah, appeared in other boxing movies, well beloved boxing movies like Boxing Helena <laughs> and The Boxer, both of which are beloved. Yeah, beloved, and, and the, the movie Beloved, beloved yeah. which is about boxing as well. <laughs> it's about boxing, sort of the negative spirit of slavery. I sure, guess. Tony Morrison boxes the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She boxed it up and you know, a little mailed it to fucking Abu Dhabi to readers, you know, because it's normal represented slavery. Garfield is a freedom fighter. Um, uh, so yeah, so go uh, back where you belong to the backwards land of Abu Dhabi. So we watched this movie, and now it's going to wait. Here's a, here's a grudge of mine. Seeing grudges, the uh, totally random collection of characteristics that Garfield has. In that he hates Mondays, which as a cat you should about? not know the not understand. Sure, and he loves lasagna. N- uh-huh. Neither of these is organic from a cat. Also hates spiders. I don't know. Like cat-ish. I have a cat, and it likes like kind of wet, moist food. And I think lasagna is kind of. What little... about Mondays? How does how does muscles feel about Mondays? Uh, I mean, he, it's the same. Every day's <laughs> every day's a day of playing <laughs> like and bothering a, me. Every day is like Sunday. 
Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> Some sunny day. Uh-huh. Uh, so grudge match, shall we? But there's a depth in a character. You know, you got very divergent things, man. Yes, character Diamond is hates Mondays, <laughs> loves lasagna. A fat cat. Yeah. Mails cat, other cat to Abu Dhabi. Exactly. So grudge match. And from that, 35 years of gold. Um, grudge match is a movie about two fighters. Well, you just described what it was about. It was about. So, so the movie begins way back in ye olden days yeah, where two CGI battlers are punching the shit out of each <laughs> so other. We're supposed to be watching young Stallone like, and young De Niro Two dinosaurs fighting. <laughs> I wish we're stop motion dinosaurs <laughs> in boxing trunks. But uh, it looks they, more like a jib jab animation where they, they just some, put the faces. They do some CGI faces of of young Stallone and young uh, De Niro, and it looks terrible. If you thought the CGI face of Arnold on the uh, robot in Terminator Salvation was terrible. That happened, oh right? I didn't. Or did I make that I didn't up? See Terminator okay, Salvation. good. You are a lucky one. <laughs> Unlike the people killed by robots in the, t- uh, you know, robot apocalypse. Robocalypse. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Mrs. Robocalypse. <laughs> uh, the, uh, but but anyway, it's the 1980s, and one they like what each win one fighting match against mm-hmm. each other or something. It's called a boxing <laughs> match. <laughs> And there's some this gladiatorial tournament, tournament. Yeah. and there's they, to, one. You know, one's got more punchos than the other. <laughs> yeah, one guy's punch meter was up higher, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. so he gets more super punches. He has yep. more stars. Yeah, and he does his special finishing move, which is a punch. <laughs> yeah, he sparkles and then he punches a guy. <laughs> uh, so they're supposed to have a rematch, but then Sylvester Stallone's character Henry Razor Sharp. So Sylvester Stallone is Razor, and Robert De Niro is Billy the Kid McDonough. Mm. And so let's call him Razor and the Kid. Which is a good title for a better movie, Razor and the Kid, mm-hmm. uh, which would be about, I guess, a skateboarding gang. And yeah, one guy, but one of them is a Razor scooter. <laughs> yeah, so that's the nerd, and yeah. the kid is actually an old man. Yep, mm-hmm. but he still knows how to shred on a skateboard. Oh yeah, and on a guitar because that old man is Dick Dale. <laughs> what? <laughs> Razor and the Kid starring Dick Dale and let's yeah, say where the Miles from figure? Murphy Brown <laughs> as the guy on the Razor scooter. <laughs> Why not? The guy I always confuse with uh, IRS, the wrestler from uh, WWF, Erwin R. Scheister. Yeah, I can see why you would do that. Sure. Uh, kind of anti-Semitic. But anyway, so. I, no, I'm not. The <laughs> wrestling matches. So uh, Razor announces his retirement. The system. <laughs> and Razor yeah. announces retirement, and the match is called off, and somehow this ruins De Niro's career as well. All right. Uh, yeah. Now we flash forward to 30 years. Uh, Razor is working at, De Niro is working at a, so, kind of shipping yard or place where sparks are made. Stallone is. Uh, Stallone, Stallone is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Razor. Yeah. Yeah, Stallone, Razor Stallone uh, is working at a factory where the, where sparks fly at people. And there's a sign that says, caution, wear eyewear, but nobody's wearing eyewear. So they're asking for a spark in the eye. Never happens. De Niro owns his own restaurant called Knockouts. And <laughs> he does a kind of cabaret show there with a boxing puppet. It is, he's so totally strip mining Raging Bull for everything he can get from it. And they strip mine Rocky, too. Later, Sylvester Sloan will... They do a joke about him possibly punching a side of meat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Drinking a bunch of raw eggs. eggs. Running Uh, around behind a guy on a motorized wheelchair, just like in Rocky. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Telling a long monologue about a turtle to (laughs) Talia Shire. (laughs) And losing to Apollo Creed. (laughs) (laughs) Having a robot butler. That's Rocky. All these things. Rocky didn't have the That's right. Runaway same. starring Gene Slade. character. Same, all right. Not the same character. <laughs> Different character. It lives in the same universe. The same franchise, yeah. Yeah. We all live in the same universe, Dan. <laughs> it's not like Rocky's on an, in an, in a, somewhere in the multiverse. Somewhere in Are the, you sure? Somewhere in the nth dimensional M-brain system of the universe. I, like, ever since Superboy punched the walls of this reality, I can't keep track of all the multiverses. That's a surprisingly recent comic reference for you, Dan. Yeah, well... I read that fucking super Superman book. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, then who walks into and so Alan Arkin, who is Sylvester Stallone's old trainer and plays his usual Alan Arkin part of sassy old man, a foxy grandpa, yeah, bes- you know, bes- old, old, old man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the it's this character description says, "Where's hat." Cranky, sassy old man, Alan Arkin type. And Alan Arkin was like, I heard my name said. I'm here. I'm on the set. Just whatever. I can be an Alan Arkin type. You used to have a lot of range, Alan Arkin. Yeah, I'm mostly focusing on the sassy old man <laughs> roles. Uh, Alan Arkin is being too sassy and is getting kicked out of his nursing home. Mm-hmm. So Esther Stallone, as a way of thanking him for always standing by him, has been paying his bills. 
He's running out of money, though, because there's only so much money you can make at the Sparks plant. Uh, then, who should walk into his life but <laughs> Kevin Hart, the son of his old boxing promoter, who wants to hire him to provide the motion capture animation and sound effects for a boxing video game. Now, you may remember if you saw Rocky Balboa, that is also a movie starring Sylvester Stallone in which an old boxer gets roped back into the fighting game mm-hmm. by a digital simulation, simulation. of him fighting. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is one more, and it's officially a genre. <laughs> the old boxers who are inspired by CGI versions of themselves genre. Played by Stallone. Played by Stallone, yeah. But in this case, it would be like, I guess, Cobra, Cobretti became a boxer and then retired. It has to mm-hmm. be a Stallone character, you know. Maybe it's his character from I See You, that movie that went direct to video. <laughs> direct to video. Yeah. Or the Italian Stallion, the porno that he made. Sure. Which I think was called, what, like a party at Kitty's Place yeah, or something a, like that? He's got a wide-ranging and varied filmography is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, from directing Staying Alive to... To uh, being in porn. Being to in Spy the, Kids 3D. He yeah. was in the Get Carter remake. He was in the... He, it was, yeah. Was it called Get Carter or just Carter? I think... Oh, I don't... I don't remember. Oh, Michael Caine was in that too. Mm-hmm. As, as a bartender. Old Carter. <laughs> <laughs> as, hey, remember, this is a remake. Anyway, we're not too far into the movie yet. <laughs> but uh, Kevin Hart gets him. He says, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, so so Kevin Hart was thrown in there to add like some fast pace to what is otherwise a snail's pace of a movie. Not to be racist, but he is very much the Chris Tucker of the movie. Yeah. He is the fast-talking black guy who slings out the jokes, gets the white people to do what... They, you know, to do things that they don't always want to do, and is like our sassy comic relief. And he's also like a, a actor who's currently successful in comedy roles. Oh yeah, and the other as a stand-up, he's hugely successful. Yeah, like he. The, it's kind of weird that it seems like Kevin Hart felt like to make his big movie break, he needed to latch on to two old movie stars. But what or you maybe do? you just <laughs> want to hang out with those two guys. I mean. When he should, instead, he should have done a remake of Heart to Heart. No, that's what I was just, I was literally just imagining. But were you going to say that it was Kevin Hart teaming with Bret Hart, the Western writer? (laughs) Oh, not Bret Hart, the the Hitman Hart? It could be Bret the Hitman Hart, too. It's both of them. Forget Kevin Hart. He's not in anymore. It's Bret Hart, the Western writer, and Bret the Hitman Hart, the wrestler. And it's called Heart to Heart. No, forget it. It's called Western Wrestle. (laughs) That's amazing. I was was literally imagining a scenario where he was pitching, like, I'm going to do a remake of Heart to Heart. And they're like, Kevin. You don't need to do a movie that just has your name in it. Like, <laughs> right, well, okay. What about Love Beeps? Well, we'll call it Heart Beeps. I don't. I think it was no, called Heart Beeps, actually. Yeah. What about music for the heart? No. What about Untamed Heart? I can pretend to have a monkey heart. <laughs> I could do it. I swear I could do it. Kevin, what about I don't wild, think you understand what movies are. Wild hearts can't be broken. I'm a diving horse, and a girl rides me. <laughs> Kevin, you, you know what? Why don't you just leave? <laughs> You just want a girl to ride you. Like Lucky a horse. number Kevin. I do. We'll call it Lucky Number Kevin. It's a remake of Lucky Number Slevin. <laughs> it's about a guy with a name that no one has. Okay, what about Kevin? <laughs> it's a remake of Seven. But instead of Seven Sins based crime, they're Kevin Hart stand up bit based crimes. <laughs> what about We Need to Talk About Kevin? That's a really recent movie to remake. <laughs> yeah, well, we're rebooting it to start the franchise <laughs> over again. <laughs> <laughs> there are people who've been born in the last two years who never saw that movie. But all the toddlers who haven't seen We Have to Talk About Kevin. <laughs> okay, what about. <laughs> <laughs> we should just keep going, I guess. So, uh, Sylvester Sloan needs the money to support Alan Arkin, so he says, yes, I'll do it. As long as I don't have to see Robert De Niro. I don't want to see that guy. Yeah. So, Sylvester Sloan... Understandable. Now, let's let's get one thing straight. Like you guys mentioned, this is a shaggy, slow-moving movie. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of incident and many scenes of characters just talking or oh, just hanging out and re- restating things. Yeah, Now at length. Sylvester Stallone goes, there's some hilarious jokes about him wearing a motion capture suit. Mm -hmm, He starts mm -hmm. acting it out. And then, who should show up but Bobby De Niro, also in a motion capture suit. So the two of them get along? They don't. They get in a big fight. They wreck all the -the state-of-the-art electronics. Luckily, someone very unprofessional at the recording studio records the whole thing on his phone, puts it on YouTube. It gets a million hits before the end of the afternoon. And suddenly, it's viral and all over the news, even though Sylvester Stallone and Robert Nero haven't been bailed out of jail yet for this fight that wrecked all this That's stuff. how the internet works, man. I also Speed want to say... Happens instantly. Not one, the movie makes not one, but two jokes about someone saying, Hey, you look like... Uh, what's this... What was uh, from... Toy Story. You're Buzz up in Buzz Buzz Dan, remember. this is something... I don't know why this is your, your cross to bear <laughs> your, your and your, your axe on. to grind. 
Because the movie thinks it's... That was ho- some good cliches we just threw in there. <laughs> They've, they're wearing normal mocap suits, which is like green yeah, suits. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for using <laughs> like, industry terms. Yeah, we're not all in the television biz, Mr. Mocap. <laughs> they're fucking green hey, suits. Hey, mocap mo problems, right? <laughs> sure. With a bunch of You get a load of this asshole? Yeah, exactly. Come on. They're all they were in green suits. Green suits with a bunch of dots over, and two people say, "Hey, you look like Buzz Lightyear." The movie thinks that's a good enough joke. Buzz Lightyear with a camel toe. Buzz Lightyear, a guy who's in a white astronaut suit uh, with clearly talking about Buzz Lightyear out of the astronaut suit. There's green elements. Inner suit. He has green elements. Looks like Godzilla with with chicken pox. Oh, see, that's good shit. You should be writing movies like this. You should be writing for Kevin Hart. All right, you're wasting yourself on John Stewart. You'd be writing Kevin Hart jokes. Yeah, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna get on his facts list. I'm gonna send those in. His facts list, like facts (laughs) about Kevin Hart, they're just in a list. Fact: Kevin Hart is five foot seven. It's a. It's called an FAK. It's frequently asked Kevin Hart questions. Fact: Kevin Hart has a heart. He actually Fact. has two hearts, Elliot. One in his name and one in his body. Fact. Unlike a cow, Kevin Hart has only one stomach. Oh, that's a good fact. That's a good fact. Yep. Let's check that. Let's that's double Can did we confirm you know. that? Thank you. Can the Flophouse fact checker get on that? The Flophouse Ombudsman? The Flophouse fact cat. Fact cat. The house cat picks on the fact cat all the time. Oh. What a nerdy cat the house yeah. mm-hmm. Flophouse Fact Cat is. Mm-hmm. The Fact so- Cat is allergic to cats. That's the sad oh, thing. Oh, that is so sad. Well, he and I can sympathize together about that. Anyway, uh, they get so uh, he gets an offer to do a fi- big fight between Razor and the Kid with him as the promoter that he calls Grudge Match or Grudgement Day, he also calls it. Uh, and they accept on the basis that they're going to get a lot of money. And because Sylvester Stallone learns he's been laid off from the... From the factory. Yeah, nobody first, needs Sparks anymore. No, Sparks are all, now it's all digital. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Just like the publishing industry, the internet has really destroyed the Sparks industry. Yeah. People have their apps that just make the image of Sparks, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, so they accept the offer. There's a press conference at a sparsely attended ballroom uh, in which they just generally gab at, gabble at each other and they say a lot of, stu- they insult each other a yeah, lot. Yeah, but Kim Basinger shows up. Kim Basinger Passenger? shows up. Now, Kim Basinger, it turns out. Bassmaster. Kim Bassmaster. Kim Big Mouth Billy Bass. Bowfinger. Bowfinger. Kim Bowfinger. Academy Award winner, Kim Basinger. Now, there are three Academy Award winners in this cast Sylvester Stallone for best screenplay (laughs) for Rocky. Yeah. Uh, Kim Basinger for LA Confidential. Robert De Niro for a couple different movies. And and then Alan Arkin is an Academy Award winner too. This is a huge cast in mm-hmm. this stupid movie. Yep. This shaggy dog movie that takes forever to go anywhere has an amazing cast. It's kind of like um uh what? Food Fight? What was the movie that we were talking about? Uh, an amazing cast. Uh Skidoo. Skid yeah, it was <laughs> Yeah, Groucho Marx is there, Jackie Gleason, Carol Channing, uh all sorts of people. Anyway, Kim Basinger shows up. She was Sylvester Stallone's girlfriend 30 years ago, but she got mad at him and cheated on him with Robert De Niro and got totes pragers. Yeah, sure. And that's she why they Prago, walked away from the... Uh, old world style. He <laughs> knocked her out uh-huh. with a baby. <laughs> knocked her out of the dating game, that is. By uh, punching a baby into her with his penis fist. <laughs> and he didn't wear a glove or else she wouldn't have gotten pregnant. Which we also call a man condom. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like like a like a villain in like a penthouse comics strip. Face the fear of man condom. He makes it feel worse. <laughs> well, it takes away sun sensation. I don't know. It feel worse. Yeah. Some Dan, might say it makes you last longer. I don't sure. know. I mean, if you need that sort of thing, um, if you're like you know one and out kind of guy, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, hey, Dan, we can talk about your problems the later. Point of the, the, but the point of this... <laughs> the point of this is, so she wants to get she was back... The, she was the, the reason it's that... It's because she cheated on him yeah. with Robert De Niro that Sylvester Stallone said, I want to take away from De Niro the one thing he loves the most, which is this fight and his chance to prove he can beat me. I'm going to take that away and he'll never have it and it'll bother him for 30 years. And it does. De Niro is very eager to get back in the ring because yeah. for 30 years he's been aching over the chance to punch out yeah. the razor. Well, this is one of those movies where, like... People are haunted by one event that happened in them, happened to them in their in their youth. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but it happens a lot more in the movies. Like, well, yeah, because it's dramatic. Yeah, like, is, and I know what you did last summer, and I also know the, what you did last summer. But this is the basis of say like all those movies where 
people go back to their high school reunions and like recreate the prom or whatever Gross as if blank. that was something yeah, that they did not blank, get too. over immediately Carrie upon leaving reunion. high school. <laughs> Carrie is a high school reunion, but everyone's dead, including <laughs> her. Just Amy Irving in an empty gym. <laughs> Carrie's there like, I thought more people would show up. And, and yeah, Amy Irving's like, you killed them all. What are you talking about? And then about? you died. Why are you here? I wanted to see what everyone was up to. <laughs> I wanted to see who got fat. Well, no one got fat, Carrie. <laughs> they all got dead. They're very thin now because they're bones. Yeah. Well, what about that nice teacher who was nice to me? You slammed her in half with a basketball hoop. That doesn't sound like something I'd do. Oh. Was I drunk? You do this all the time. Come on, Carrie. And Carrie gets so mad Selective she kills Amy Irving. Yeah. A lot smaller body count because there's only one other person alive in my graduating class. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But yeah. a very down. cheap movie to make. <laughs> Carrie died before graduation, but he got her, she got her GED in hell, so. <laughs> it is a cheap movie, yeah. Because there's one person and it's Amy Irving. He's not doing a lot of work these yeah. days. What uh, is she up to these days? Aside from being married to her husband, Julius Irving. I think that, she, I mean, this is a while Owner back. Of the Orange I think Julius she was franchise. an alias. No. When that was a show, I think that the, she was on that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I know. well, viewers, write in. Amy Irving, if you're listening, write into Flophouse, care of, yeah. where's Amy Irving these days? <laughs> P.O. Box, Amy Irving, Irving, California, yeah. U- United States of America. Yeah, and course. while you're at that, <laughs> stop <laughs> writing in about Streganona. We get it. Dan meant Streganona. <laughs> anyway, so Kim Basinger wants to tell her him, I want to be back in your life, and I don't want you to do this fight because you'll get hurt. Uh, meanwhile, he starts up with his old coach, Alan Arkin, to get back in shape. Uh, Sylvester Stallone... Who is doing amazing for a guy who just got taken out of a nursing home. A guy yeah. who apparently needed nursing care really badly is now yeah doing yeah. great, just living with Sylvester Stallone. He was complaining that he needed around. a man to wash his balls is now, yeah. Sure. It's one of those movies... Which has to look like some kind of parachute with <laughs> a couple of eggs in it by now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Just some marbles and a deflated balloon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> Two grapes in a reused piece of aluminum foil. <laughs> you guys are getting make, making it weird, Adam. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you started off. I'm just saying, he's probably got a really long pulse <laughs> Uh, I was meant making was that, the reasonable what point. What Stuart meant was that Alan Arkin has a long shelf of Balzac novels <laughs> for anyone who might be offended. Because <laughs> he loves to read. Actually, loves yeah. watching TV. And one of Alan Arkin's funniest lines in the movie. And he does, eventually, here's the thing. Maybe we just got Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> but this movie, after a certain point, starts being funny because the characters are literally just hanging around quipping at each other <laughs> and just kind of being lazily, casually funny yeah. in a way that... The movie is very forced when it does. So they start training. Sylvester Sloan uh, or Rob De Niro wants to train with LL Cool J, who's a famous fight promoter who has a reality, uh, trainer who's a reality show about him he, in this I think universe. his dad trained with him. That was the thing. Oh, okay. Oh, he yeah. trained with his, yeah. yeah. LL Cool J's dad trained, or whatever. But anyway, but LL Cool J won't do it. He hangs. He hooks him up with a guy who's not paying attention to him, and that's when Robert De Niro's son, BJ, steps in. BJ starts to be his trainer after being won over about the dad he always hated, and then BJ brings his son in, who's a little kid. Mm-hmm. So the char- like the cast is just metastasizing wildly yeah. as more and more characters are dumped in this thing like a fucking Dickens novel. <laughs> but anyway, but uh, the point is, there's so many characters eventually that it's like the movie is just trying to mix and match them in different scenes. Yeah, let's throw fucking Jonathan Lipnicki in with one of these or there's uh, just a old scene characters. Of Kevin Hart apparently does all of his business on his phone while lying on the hood of his car in a motel parking lot. There's just a scene of him yelling at some prostitutes that hang out at the motel. Presumed prostitutes. Presumed, no, they're just dressed like prostitutes and hanging at a hotel, you know. Yeah. Or motel, rather. But it, there's a lot of scenes of or just Holiday Alan Inn. Arkin saying goofy stuff, <laughs> characters just kind of interacting. And in a better movie, like in an Altman movie, in a mm-hmm. Robert Altman, not an Altamont movie, if a, in a Robert... <laughs> you know, like... Like, uh, they're all hanging out, and then a Hell's Angel stabs somebody. In a Robert Altman yeah. movie, there'd be something kind of vibrant about seeing these characters interact. But here, it's just kind of like lazy actors lazing around and occasionally saying funny stuff. Yeah, uh, you were gonna like the what was the line you were, they were getting oh, to? He's, the, he's talking about he's like he goes to Sylvester Stallone's house. Sylvester Stallone doesn't have a TV, and Alan Arkin's like, "Can't believe you don't have a TV! I can be watching Dancing with the Stars right now." I'm old. I should be watching Dancing <laughs> with the Stars. <laughs> he just the way, but the way he says like, "I'm old. I should be watching Dancing with the Stars." Like his his delivery is funny. I mean, he's an old pro. No, you guys, yeah. you guys are justice. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Steal justice. <laughs> uh, so they, however, training, whatever, then, whatever goodwill he builds up. 
I think he loses a lot of it when he does that weird Humpty dance thing. <laughs> while when Sylvester's on the phone Sylvester's with Sylvester's on the phone. To be fair, that was his chance to do the hump. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> would say you get so few chances to do the hump in this life. Yeah, or, <laughs> when the Humpty dance comes sure. around, you, you got to catch it. it. You got to jump on it. It's just like a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. You might, you don't get a shot like this every day. No, you got to go for it. Yeah, just like that scene in It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, would you, would you just do the Humpty dance instead of talking it to death? Anyway, youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> Uh, so, someday I want to just pull down the moon and swallow it up, and the light will shine out of your fingers. And we'll do the Humpty Dance. It's a Wonderful Hump is the name of that it's movie. That's a Sean Connery uh, yeah. monologue. Yeah, huh? that was when I was in It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life playing Jimmy Stewart. I also played Clarence the Angel. What actor was that? I don't remember his name, but it was me. He was also in Shadow of a Doubt and The Invisible Man. I also played those roles. You played The Invisible Man and you played Shadow of a Doubt? Yes, I played S.H. Doubt. Shadow Hover Doubt. Okay, uh, Mr. Connery, you're going to have to take your meds. I don't think so. I think I already took them. Look over there. Sean Connery jumps out window, runs away from old folks home. I played the meds and then I swallowed them. I lost them like you lost your keys. All right. Got All right, any sure. keys? <laughs> Sounds like my catchphrase, got any cheese, when I played Steve Urkel on Family Matters. I also played Carl Winslow in the role of Reginald Bell Johnson. I think you have that mixed up. You have the actor's name as the role, and the doesn't matter. I played it all. It was Sean Connery. Anyway, that's an old bit. Anyway, so, uh, but the movie is occasionally funny when it's just the characters talking, which is too much of the movie, frankly. I, my complaint to the about it's one of those weird things where <laughs> too much of it was somebody talking a lot. <laughs> well, no, my complaint, Elliot won't stand for it. It's weird. This movie is bloated and overlong and shaggy, and there are a lot of scenes you don't need that where the characters are hanging out. But occasionally, those are the best moments in a very mediocre to poor movie. Yeah. It's just like the characters interacting occasionally brings up some kind of jewel of a moment, but usually it's just boring. But then when they do these big set pieces, like to promote the fight. Stallone and De Niro skydive out of a plane and then get into a fist fight, and it's like... Well, then, yeah, then it turns into, like, sub-old dogs. Yeah, like, it's whoa. really terrible. The scenes where they put a lot of effort in are really bad, and it reminds me of what I call the Caddyshack boat principle. Oh. Those familiar with Caddyshack may remember the boat chase scene where they wreck a bunch of boats, by far the least funny scene in the movie. And you could slide that scene right out of the movie and it would not harm it at all. But you can also tell that that has to be the scene they put the most work into. There's stunts in it, they're breaking boats. The best scenes in the movie are when Bill Murray is just making shit up off the top of his head. And yet... The worst scenes in the movie in the movies the one where you know they put yeah. the most effort. Into Nobody's it. like sitting around quoting breaking boats with their frat brothers exactly. or nothing. Yeah. But, but everyone's ma- saying that Dalai Lama part, you know. Yeah. But it makes sense though. I mean, like because the thing is, you know, uh, De Niro and Stallone and Alan Arkin are all charming actors. So to just have them hanging out, like that's going to be a lot more fun than trying to yeah. shove these, them into these contrived in, yeah. situations. Yeah, do you think the director's like, do whatever you want, just make sure at some point you say geriatric or make some joke about being old? There are a little few too many jokes about being old. You're like, I get it, they're old. Oh, God. Yeah. Stop it with reminding me. They look old, they're wrinkled hags. Come on. <laughs> Their shirts are off. It's crazy gross. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they're, they're like, in really good shape. They're in really good shape for like being 60 or whatever. But I mean, if that's what I have to look forward to, kill me now, Dan. Okay. What's weird? Uh, <laughs> How do you choose to die? <laughs> uh, Knife, gun, poison, death by chocolate. Okay, <laughs> this is gonna take a lot of chocolate. So you're gonna drown in the chocolate, yeah, or you start want to smearing sta- it on my body? Stabbed with a chocolate knife, a chocolate dagger. <laughs> I'm gonna smear it. On that your only body. exists in India, Elliot. Hold on. <laughs> From the Tuggy cult, you're gonna the die. Fudgy <laughs> the Fudgy cult. They worship death by chocolate. <laughs> Awesome. I can't believe I walked into that. Yeah. Walked Walk- into that dagger. <laughs> Made of chocolate. I'm going to smear it on your body and you're going to die through absorbing the chocolate through your body. It'll pores. be like in Goldfinger, but it would be like Chocolate Finger. Yeah. Well, now there's a Bond villain <laughs> and he wants to break into the U.S. Chocolate Reserve, steal all the chocolate to eat yeah. it. Yeah. He's going to Hershey's, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> what a low rent Bond movie that would be. James, there's been a, there's been a threat on Hershey's, Pennsylvania. Where they make the chocolate, I'm on the case. I mean, you don't usually say I'm on the case. That's <laughs> you're not a policeman. My game's afoot. Wait, that's not that's your. That's you say. Thing. May the force be with you. I said that in the Star Wars movies, Episode One, Casino Royale. 
That's not, no. You weren't even in those movies. <laughs> and, and Casino Royale wasn't even your first Bond film. That no, doesn't make sense. No, it wasn't. Sense. But it was the first one made for American television. Okay, well, that's true, but... <laughs> you didn't play Bond. You didn't play that. He was an American in that version. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Zardoz. So, <laughs> Bond trivia. It turns out, so uh, Sylvester Stallone starts to get back together with Kim Basinger. They go on a date. A date which includes, for no reason, a moment of a white guy using black slang mm-hmm. in a stilted way. It's like a little yeah, bit of Baps. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, they gets a phone call from a Kevin Baps Hart. in all of us. The, the I guess Mater D, I don't know, walks over and says, Sir, you have a phone call from a Kevin Hart. I don't remember his character's name. He goes, he says, it says it's mad, crazy, and shit is about to get real. And it's mm-hmm. like... Oh, God. It's like the movie just stuck a dagger in my ear, you know? Do you feel that Alan Arkin was fulfilling the role of, like, sass-talking granny? Yes, but grampy. Okay. Yeah. okay. So, so He was playing the Foxy Grandpa character. So we have the we have the two like comedic tropes you like the most. Foxy Grandpa is a I real, real comedy. existed before. Yeah, yeah. So your two favorite comedic tropes are used, My two right? favorite comedic tropes of a white guy saying black slang... And an old man who's super, super wants sex and is real frisky and says crazy things. Mm-hmm. But the second one I like a little more, if only because there's more room for it. You can do different types of sassy old man jokes. There's only one type of yeah. And white sometimes guy. the old no. man turns out to be a monster or like a demon. Yes, occasionally. <laughs> there's two kinds of white guys doing black slang jokes. There's when the white guy is really into it, and the joke is what a poser. And there's the times when it's like an English butler who's quoting something that he heard. Yeah. You know? Like stodgy and stuck up. Exactly. But anyway, they're on a date. They get back into a car, and Sylvester Stallone is blindsided by another driver. It turns out... In a horrifyingly realistic accident scene, In which almost no one is hurt. Where Kim basically gets a... Horrifyingly realistic with a beautiful green screen. Yeah, it's, I mean... I mean, it's a surprising scene. If you ignore that it looks like 30s rear projection on the green screen. All right, I just, like... It's not... It it breaks the tone of the movie a little bit. Like, I'm like, wait, did Kim Basinger just get killed? It's not adaptation level where... Those were the two scariest car crashes I've ever seen in a movie, Mm -hmm. I think. That first one in adaptation is ridiculously scary. But... You do, it comes out of nowhere, and you don't see Kim Basinger for a couple seconds. So you think, yeah, was she killed? Like, what just happened? Is this going to be the fuel that fuels the grudge match? <clears throat> that he's just reconnecting with this woman that De Niro stole from him, and now she's been taken <laughs> and away? And Stallone beats De Niro to death. <laughs> yeah, in but the no, ring. she's fine. Well, that <laughs> was just to reveal to us. It was pretty funny, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it turned the movie turned so dark out of nowhere. It's like an audition level tonal shift. Sure, uh, but the it just to reveal to us that Sylvester Stallone is blind in one eye. Which he never told anybody, and if Robert De Niro learns that, probably got a bunch of sparks in it. Well, yeah, yeah. It wasn't wearing protective eye, yeah, eye gear. He was eaten by the monster. Of love. <laughs> like what? <laughs> it's a spark. Oh song. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I thought if I was thinking of the Gangster of Love, <laughs> Talking Heads song, mm. and of course the the uh, what's the in Space Cowboy? What does he call himself? Like the Gangster oh, of yeah, Love. Yeah, gangster yeah. of Love. Okay. Some people call him Maurice. Yeah, I don't know. I well, it's because he's singing about Maurice Evans from the Planet of the Apes movies. Right. Anyway, so... Stuart, do you want to speak of the Papa to Salome, or can we move on? So that's the... That's, that's the uh, we can go on, I'll allow it. That's the, that's the Sylvester Stallone setback. The De Niro setback is that he's reconnecting with his son and grandson, takes his grandson for the day, and instead of taking him to the movies like he promised, takes him to his bar, where they hang out with a bunch of floozies, and mm-hmm. De Niro sneaks away to the backseat of his car. The kid decides to drive home, <laughs> puts a, sits on a bo- case of beer... And starts putting the car into neutral to drive away yeah. and almost crashes that car while De Niro is having sex in the back. Luckily, there's a police officer to arrest the floozy and I guess the kid. <laughs> it's a little weird because a police officer, the, the car literally inches out of a driveway and then stops. And then you hear a siren go, boo! And the car has done nothing. <laughs> yeah, welcome <laughs> like, to the police station. Well, 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 what have we got <laughs> Fucking here? Fucking sentinels are Somebody's, here. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> took that car out of the driveway it's and then stopped. A precog saw that you would <laughs> you would slightly back your car out of a driveway. Go get, get ready for Minority Report jail. Freeze them up. Take their brains out. Whatever it is they do there. Uh, uh, BJ, the son, is mad. He and says, I'm not going to train you anymore. But eventually they get back together. Uh, De Niro reveals that he has a scrapbook full of BJ moments. <laughs> BJ's the son. Not yeah. scrapbook full of Robert De Niro getting blowjobs. But... Uh, and that wins him back over. Sylvester Stallone tells Alan Arkin, I just won't tell Robert De Niro that I'm blind to one eye. So the grudge match arrives. Mm-hmm. They're back in fighting shape, and they fight for a while. Uh, and then the kid 
knows about he he doesn't know about the the blind the blind spot yeah. and is beating the crap out of Razor. Uh, but then he learns that Razor's blind in one eye, and he says, "Hey, this isn't a fair fight." He lifts De Niro up off, or lifts Stallone up off his feet so they can fight fair, and yeah. they fight for a while, and then and the tables are turned. The tables turn. They turn back. They turn yeah. again. Stallone uh, lifts uh, they De Niro have a, up off the canvas. They do the thing that happens in boxing movies where the two people just stand and punch each other without really moving very much, yeah. which is maybe my favorite moment in Rocky Balboa when uh, Rocky and Mason Dixon, the younger fighter. Rocky is being battered so hard, and he's having these flashbacks to uh, to uh, Adrian's grave, as if <laughs> to, to Rambo. He's flashing back to other Sylvester Stallone roles. He's like, I can't believe I made that porno. I know it was early in my career, but still. Man, you keep going back to that one, but you haven't talked about I See You that much. <laughs> Not that much, or Rhinestone, or Stop, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, which he wasn't in, but sounds like Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. And I think it's time for a crossover between the two. Don't Tell Mom My Babysitter's Shooting. <laughs> I got a question, Elliot. How okay. come the movie Oscar wasn't nominated for an Oscar? It because it was like not it was very Oscar good. <laughs> it was not very good. That's why. I th- Oscar was the first time I remember seeing a commercial for a movie where they had people <laughs> in the theater talking about the movie, and then they would cut to a line of dialogue from the movie as if that was response a response to what the person was saying. Like someone was like, "I like Stallone more for comedy than action," and it cuts to Stallone being like. Well, how about that? As if that he was having a conversation through the movie screen, like it's Purple Rose of Oscar or something like that. Sure. Anyway, I was imagining people in the like like the commercial had people in the audience. Being, it was okay, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't want my money back. <laughs> I mean, we had to pay for a babysitter, but it was a nice night out. But in Rocky Balboa, there Sylvester's getting beat up, and then it's like, oh. Uh, but we got to finish this thing. And Mason Dixon's like, yeah, let's finish it. And then there's a wide shot of the two of them just standing, feet planted on the ground, just swinging their hands at each other like <laughs> rock'em, sock'em robots. And uh, anyway, there's a, that ends like that. And in a split decision based on points, yeah. Sylvester Stallone wins. There's no climactic knockout. It's just Sylvester Stallone gets named the winner. Everybody is happy. Yeah, Suddenly Stallone and De Niro are friends again. I mean, they weren't before, but they're kind of friendly now. And there are... not And... Uh, Alan Arkin is like, we were robbed, we were robbed, someone bribed the judges. There's a long-running joke that his his hearing aid doesn't work well, and Sloan's like, no, no, fix your hearing aid, we won. And Alan Arkin's like, we won, damn hearing aid, hearing aid, smash cut to credits. <laughs> and then there are two post-credit scenes. In one, uh, Razor and uh, Kevin Hart and Alan Arkin are watching as, as uh, Robert De Niro is on Dancing with the Stars, Mm-hmm. And then uh, Sylvester Stallone leaves to go hang out with his girlfriend. <laughs> and then there's a second post credit scene where uh, Kevin Hart is trying to convince Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield to get back into the ring together. Yeah. And there's some ear jokes. There's some ear jokes and a hangover joke. Mm-hmm. And it is weird to see Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson together because they both look really old. <laughs> uh, and, it, and, it, and it puts a lot of pressure on Kevin Hart to keep keep energy in that scene mm-hmm. which he's for an energetic guy it is still it's difficult still to watch yeah so i guess what i'd say about this movie is it is a long road to nowhere <laughs> yeah and at, like if this movie was an hour and 10 minutes yeah it might have been a fun like overlong supersized episode of a sitcom about two aging former boxers but instead it's supposed to be a movie and it's, I mean, it's nearly really two hours long, long yeah so. and it's not quite a drama and it's not funny enough really to be a comedy so <laughs> I don't know it's not quite a drama and it's not com- quite a comedy but boy yeah I got nothing else no. <laughs> so that was a Homer paraphrase yeah it was um, <laughs> they're not quite mobs they're not, <laughs> not quite, quite puppets, puppets but, but boy oh can boy. they <laughs> so to answer your question I don't know <laughs> yeah um, on that note to say about grudge? I was very excited to watch this movie because I'm a big fan of Stallone mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of De Niro I like stupid things, mm-hmm. and I wanted to, this movie idea was so dumb to me, and yet it was just so like... And boxing movie, I mean, for, it, for a sport that, even as a person who doesn't like sports, I find extremely boring, boxing movies usually as are, a sport, are, are good. It's very dull, but as in movies, it's very cinematic, because yeah. there's few things movies do better than two guys punching the shit out of each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very literal conflict between two people, where <laughs> yeah. they just come together at the end and punch each other. <laughs> But it, I don't know. I, I actually wasn't that excited about it because it felt so phoned in. Just looking like 
hearing the premise, seeing the trailer, yeah. seeing the posters. It felt like the blandest, like, we basically made this movie so we could make a poster. Yeah. You're going to pay money for it, dummy. You else? would rather see four elderly people go to Las Vegas for a bachelor party, is what you're saying. Yeah, but it would have to be their last time going to Las Vegas, sure. you know? It would be like Las Vegas, yeah. Yeah, where <laughs> like there's... Like six-string samurai. Yeah, where it's post-apocalyptic. These old people are not just old, they're these, from the past. And these old guys want to get laid. They need to get laid <laughs> to repopulate the earth. <laughs> And to generate the sex energy that powers their erotic time machine. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, they would be... Time Zeppelin. <laughs> I think here's why I wanted to... Part of the reason I want to see this was because it seemed like a total stupid cash grab for these two guys. And in the end, they kind of put more effort into it than I thought, but not enough to make it... Oh, get it over that hurdle. But I also like that it's similar to how a band that used to play stadiums now will have to team up with another band to play large festivals. This felt like... Stallone can't open a movie anymore. De Niro can't open a movie anymore. So we'll do the Monsters of Boxing movies, and we'll have Stallone and De Niro in one movie. You yeah. know, like when you know, like Iron Maiden and Megadeth are on a bill together. Like they can't, they can't totally do it themselves. Sure, they're gonna do it together. Yeah. Um, and Cooperation. I feel, and yeah, then, exactly. they had, then they had to bring in the powerhouse Kim Basinger. Yeah, yeah, because you need Kim. you need a babe. Yeah, bossinger. <laughs> a little bit, of, a little bit of arm candy, and uh, to bring in Kevin Hart, of course, for the youth vote, yeah. and yep. then uh, to bring in Alan Arkin for the dead vote. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> there's That's... so many jokes about Alan Arkin. It's weird because there's, it's like, it's like grumpy old men where Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau were old, and then Burgess Meredith was very old. So it's like there's two levels of old jokes. There's I'm in my seventies old, and there's I'm in my eighties old. Speaking of an old man grudge match, or sixties grumpy old men. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's, a great movie. it's a way better yeah. movie. But there's a movie where they were like, okay, this is Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. They've worked together many times before. Odd Couple, Fortune Cookie, etc. They are going to, they're both On good that at small scale comedy. And we're going to do this as a small scale comedy. There's going to, there aren't going to be any jumping out of planes. Yeah, that's the thing. Know, like that movie things. deliberately was just like, no plot. They're just going to hang out together for a while. But, I mean, they were fighting for the love of a woman. No, no. But like that was like the minimal plot necessary to make a film. Yeah. Well, you used to be able to make a movie like that. Now you need bigger stuff. Yep. Whiz bang. Um, <laughs> jazz mups. <laughs> jazz mups. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move to Final Judgments quickly. Whether, whether this was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked. Elliot, what do you got to say? I think it lives outside of our system. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't good, bad. It wasn't bad enough to be bad, bad, but it wasn't good enough to be kind of liked. Yeah, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to take a lead from this movie. Um, it's a split decision on points. It came, <laughs> it came close to being a movie I kind of liked, but ultimately it was a bad, bad movie. Okay. Elliot, what do you... Or, I mean, I'm Elliot. Stuart. I talked to yeah, you. Elliot, what You're do you looking think, at buddy? Stuart. <laughs> Dan, have you gone person blind? <laughs> I'm person blind in one eye. <laughs> Uh yeah, I'm gonna stick with bad bad. All right, and, uh, yeah, there was just not enough uh, zazz or zing or mm-hmm. pep. Moxie, moxie, absolutely no moxie. <laughs> so not enough jazam. That means uh, the same that's thing, right? Super gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we move on, some quick plugs on behalf of our uh, our network of podcast friends, all things comedy. Um, First of all, if you like comedy podcasts, why not check out My Dumb Friends, in which New York-based comics Dan St. Germain and Sean Donnelly uh, talk to their friends about the dumbest shit they've ever done. Topics range from selling candy to pay for a girlfriend's abortion uh, Mm. to... I'm not going to say that next thing. Past guests include (laughs) Kurt Brownholer... Nikki Glaser. Not going to say that name, are And I? most recently, the girls from Broad City, Alana Glaser and Abby Jacobson. Um, That's and a funny group of people. Dan St. Germain has an album, Bad at the Good Times, that will be out on June the 10th. And uh, speaking of comedy albums, just a reminder, Jackie Cation's album, This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux, is now on iTunes. But moving on to... Flophouse specific announcements. Oh, I've got two. What? Of them. Two of them. One, uh, if you have a white sedan, your <laughs> lights are on with a um, license plate FLPHSE. Uh, first of all, Flophouse crossover event on the last Tuesday in April. That's April 29th. Our fellow bad movie uh, podcasters over at We Hate Movies will be doing a podcast on the Clint Eastwood and a Chimp classic. 
every which way but loose. I thought it was an orangutan. Orangutan. It is an orangutan. You are correct. Orangutan. I I apologize. Uh, I mixed up my great apes. But moving on. And then the apologize first. Apologize to the apes, Dan. They're right here. <laughs> the first Saturday. <laughs> apologize to Clyde. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Clyde. <laughs> Don't rip my face off. Uh, That's what chimps do. <laughs> Dan, you are an ape racist. Orangutans arm wrestle you to death. <laughs> no, orangutans <laughs> they go through the chimney over the with top. a razor and then they slash your throat. All right, the in point the is. <laughs> uh, on April 29th, We Hate Movies are going to put out a podcast on Every Which Way But Loose. And then the first Saturday in May, that is May 3rd. We, here at the Flophouse, will drop an episode about the sequel, Any Which Way You Can. That's so, so, much, uh, that's so much chimps, right, Dan? Uh, Too many chimps. Orangutans. Thank you. Tan. We're going but ape around here in, in yeah, New York, right. in podcast land. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Just keep going. <laughs> but go, We have uh, another exciting announcement, Moving on, right? on May the 10th, in beautiful Yonkers, New York, we will be doing our first live show since the untimely passing of the 92Y Tribeca... At the Yonkers branch of the Alamo Draft House, we will be screening the 1992 film Sleepwalkers. Stephen King's Sleepwalkers. Just in time for Mother's Day. Uh, yeah, it's about a mother son team of incestuous werecats. <laughs> As always, we'll have. <laughs> that's and not a joke. That's the entirety <laughs> yeah, of the plot. Yeah, that's what the movie's about. There's also a hero cat in it. Don't worry. Uh, we'll, have in, <laughs> we'll have an intro by friends at the I Love Bad Movie Zine. And we will provide running commentary and riffs during the film. We're going to talk through the whole film. If you've been to one of our live events, you know it's not to be missed. If you've missed our live events, now is your chance to not miss it. Yeah, uh, and by the time this posts, there will be a uh, link to uh, buy tickets up at the Almore Draft House Yonkers site. And, and let's we will put a link on our site, too. A link on our site. Flophousepodcast.com. And Alamo Draft House, if you haven't been there before, you can order food and drinks during the movie. But you cannot what? talk during the movie. That's Except, only for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's our but thing. You can use your you cell phone, up. right? No, you cannot use your cell phone. What? Uh, but it's a nice theater. But moving on. And it's what movie was it? Sleepwalkers? Sleepwalkers. Not Sleepwalk With Me, the Mike Bradley movie. <laughs> no. We'll be talking <laughs> over that, too. <laughs> if you want to hear that story, listen to any episode of This American Life. <laughs> Boom. Slam. So, what was it? May 10th. Yeah, May 10th. Yonkers, Alamo Draft House, The Flop House, live, Sleepwalkers, May 10th. So, moving on to letters. Uh, we have a letter here. It's titled, <laughs> Letters. Is that the new fragrance from Calvin Klein, Letters? <laughs> yeah. No song, but a creepy whisper. <laughs> I don't have a song in me right now. Yeah, uh, that's good. We're, we're running long. Running long. <laughs> um, running on empty. Running long. First, running with letters. First off, we have a letter titled "Dream Recommendations." It's from Josh. I recommend good dreams. <laughs> Last name with hell. Maybe sexy ones. Hey, floppers. The Tommy Chong movie. <laughs> no. Recent listener, but I've been binging Not over that the last week. <laughs> <laughs> I've been binging over the last week, and it's infiltrated my dreams. I dreamt I was listening to a podcast where a cast of comedians were offering their summer movie recommendations. The floppers were there, of course. And while I don't remember all of their recommendations, I do remember that Stuart recommended One Direction, This Is Us, which I found <laughs> hilarious. Keep up the good work. So, so Stuart, you really liked that movie, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think somebody goes crazy and, uh, I don't know, rips off a ding-dong? I don't know. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> um, wonka wonka. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just keep going. That's our Stuart. Wonka wonka. <laughs> so, moving on. It's this on the Muppets uh, Chocolate Factory. Email <laughs> is titled, Flops for Everyone. Hey, Floppers, I just want to tell you how I came to be a fan of your podcast and to ask you a favor. I was introduced to the podcast in the same way that most of your fans probably are. In a dream. By my mom. <laughs> what? More specifically. Record scratch. Ow! I feel good. <laughs> More specifically, by my very conservative and very religious mom. Apparently, the first episode she listened to was, quote, not too bad. <laughs> I.e., not full of references to ding-dongs being ripped off or to adventures of the great bikini sword. But since then, I think she's come Off-road to regret on. suggesting the podcast to her daughter and conservative and religious friends. Oh, I'm sorry. She still listens, though, <laughs> to all the new ones and the back catalog. I, I think, feel bad I curse so much in this episode now. 
I think your words that sound like other words in letter songs are enough to make her overlook any ding dong references. Oh, we didn't even so do So you're cool, me not so much. Nope. I'm Ma- the bad boy. Now <laughs> the bad boy of podcasting. She says, "Now my Karate favorite. Kick. My mother's birthday is on April the 29th. I know you want to say happy birthday to her. I don't have much to offer you in exchange for this request other than to make you aware of a new demographic, 49-year-old moms who have a good sense of humor." Keep on flopping, Elizabeth. That's first and last name withheld. Oh, so, so not even the real first name. If there's a mother out there with a birthday on April 29th with a daughter whose, <coughs> I guess, middle name is Elizabeth. Uh, and thanks birthday. for listening. Happy birthday! Thanks for listening, and thanks for thanks uh, for recommending, recommending us, us to people. Yeah. Sorry that we are uh, not the wholesome podcast that you thought we would be. Mm-hmm. It's. I think it's the drinking, Elliot. I don't know. Well, I mean, I mean, me and Dan. Yeah. yeah, I just drink water. We have and chicken juice. We have, <laughs> we have devil water inside of us. Yeah, you strain chicken juice into some kind of carafe that yeah, you sip. That's from. how you get all yeah, the powers a, of a chicken. It's a chicken. It's how I peck at things, and I can count and win at tic tac toe. Yeah. Really, and I can do that Strozek dance. <laughs> yep. You're really good at eating small pebbles that help you digest. Yep, yep, for my gizzard. Mm-hmm. And if your head's chopped off, you'll probably be okay for a little while, right? Yeah, yeah, about, about five to ten minutes. And you don't want to be sleeping next to me when this <laughs> one comes up. You will be awoken. <laughs> the point is, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, Mom, to another person. So, uh, moving on, yet on the same uh, Subject theme. Subject of Moms. Uh, this letter is titled Stockholm Syndrome. Dear Flop Men, when my grandson first introduced me to your podcast, <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> Being, I am surprised that people are trying to reach out of the is this the Is this the grandma doesn't understand guy all yeah. over again? Being... Uh, <laughs> Being 74 years old and not really the best driver, my grandson had to help me move houses from one English county to another. That was nice of him to do. In this roughly four-hour drive, I was subject to the incessant ramblings (laughs) of the three madmen about even madder films. It was hell. Elliot reminded me of an obnoxious seven-year-old who wouldn't shut up. That's pretty accurate. And Stuart... Well, I didn't think he was quite the gentleman. <laughs> you were wrong. He is quite the distinguished I, gentleman. Eddie Murphy. I felt indifferent towards Dan. However, as, <laughs> as time went by, I, be- knows his floppers. I began to find Elliot's letters songs charming and adorable. People love my songs. Stuart's odd, deep voice endearing. And Dan, well, now he reminds me of my old college boyfriend. I think I've developed Stockholm Syndrome for your podcast. It is the only podcast I listen to, and even when I try to listen to others, I can't. They pale in comparison. You remind me of my sons and make lonely nights away from my family more entertaining. Oh, that's very sweet. So with grannies like me in mind, <laughs> what are your favorite movies about or featuring elderly people? With love, Margaret Lasting withheld. P.S. I recently adopted a cat and have named her Flop. Oh, Keep making great podcasts. That's very sweet. Thank you for listening. I'm glad yeah. you overcame your initial disgust. <laughs> uh, it continued. Well, movies about old people. Well, there's a movie called Grudge Match. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, elderly people, I think, is a tough, tough thing to determine. I mean, like Nebraska was great with yeah. Bruce Dern. I don't know. If- I mean, I like. We mentioned Grumpy Old Men. Like that's a movie I genuinely yeah. enjoy a lot. I mean, it's um, it's hard to go wrong with Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. Tokyo Story is a classic, but that's a pretty sad I mean, movie. like, yeah, Make Way for Tomorrow, again, is also <laughs> classic, but also sad. Uh, the problem is, a lot of movies about old people fall into one of two categories, either to sad movies, or like uh, Away From Her, you know, or like goofy movies about old people getting feeling their oats again and well, doing you, young people but stuff. But you also got the, um, your, 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 your Clint Eastwood movies about, like, Fuck you, young people. I'm tough. Yeah, like Gran Torino, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, yep. but I mean, also your, you know, like your absolute powers or whatever. Whereas, like, yeah, your you blood know, works. Your mm-hmm. space cowboy, an elderly gentleman, uh, still kicking ass. <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't know if I and would forgetting ca- names. I don't know if I'd classify him as like elderly, but I think an older man, like uh, with Terrence Stamp. What is that? The, the limey. The limey. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. A good, it's certainly a very I mean, there are a lot of and it's two actors who were bigger in the seventies. Yeah, I mean, they, the Limey uses scenes from his older yeah. movie in it, and but, it has a good Peter Fonda performance. And there's certainly like yeah. a lot of good movies about aging out there. I mean, like they weren't they were they were at most late middle age when they made this movie. But a movie that I recommended before that I really enjoyed 
Robin and Marion was sort of a movie about. I just saw that recently for the version. first time. Yeah, that's an interesting movie. It that's a movie with a weird tone to it because it feels like they wanted it to be a comedy and then it stopped being a comedy at a certain point in yeah. the production. And it has maybe the saddest action scene I've ever seen, where uh, Robin and Little John have a kind of pathetic fist fight with a couple of guys on top of a wall, <laughs> and it takes them forever to climb up a wall. <laughs> but there's something like more real about it. Like, yeah, it would take these guys a long time, and they're not as tough as they once were, and they're all disillusioned. The stuff with King Richard in that is fantastic. Yeah. But uh, I mean, there. So I guess there are a bunch, there are a number of good movies about older folk. Um, there's a there's a 30s movie called Star Witness that I'm a fan of, but I don't know if you'll be able to find it somewhere about an old man who is gonna who's going to testify against the mob, even though it puts his family at risk. And uh, the old man is a Civil War veteran, and if the movie's from the early 30s, and there's just something amazing to me about that. So, but uh, thank you for listening. I'm surprised that you're still listening, but thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, but the last letter of the evening is titled. Podcast 147, Devil's Something. I just wanted to tell you that I so enjoyed myself at exercise with earphones and iPhone, listening to the one about the young people on a quest to Russia to find out what happened to a previous group of dead explorers. I was indeed laughing out loud, disturbing other senior exercisers. This is a a lot of themes to these letters. I think Elliot has missed his calling as a jingle writer, but not a jingle singer. (laughs) Oh, wow. This letter is from Shelly, last name withheld, Stuart's mom. (laughs) Oh, man. Good one, mom. I got burned by Mrs. Wellington. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't even. I only had to write her like three emails to get her to write it. And I noticed she didn't mention her son at all, so... No, she doesn't care that much. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's fair to say that my voice is not one of my top top talents. Yeah, but I'm glad that... uh, I'm glad that we used it anyway. Did you know we were going to do Grudge Match when you put together this almost entirely (laughs) senior-themed letters column? There's a little thing called Kismet, Elliot, and it happened tonight. Kissing Mr. Met. (laughs) So it was an older bag of letters uh, written on parchment paper. (laughs) Yeah, with gold pens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was in cuneiform. (laughs) Um, They went to CUNY? (laughs) I don't know. The City University of New York? Yeah. Um, So those are letters. They're a thing that people write to us. We're done with that segment. Why are you still talking about it? The past is past, Dan. We move on. We're about the future now. Space letters written in space by aliens (laughs) on space paper. They look like hieroglyphics because they're the Guaiwool from Stargate. Yeah. yeah, so far they've been able we've been able to translate that the this letter it's a cookbook. <laughs> it says humans are delicious. Signed, cookbook guy. <laughs> I was hoping it would say the next segment is okay, recommendations. <laughs> is that the next segment, Dan? Yeah, there's... is this where we recommend movies we actually enjoyed. This is that segment. Um, now we just recommend some oldster movies. Well, let's Oldster. recommend some not so oldster movies. I mean, I my, the movie I recommend way. is old, so. <laughs> but yeah. is it uh, okay? It's not old. It's not. So about what old is people. that movie? I'll start. So, so, considering this was a boxing movie, I thought I'd recommend a better boxing movie. So I wanted to recommend a uh, noir from 1949 called <laughs> The Setup, uh, directed by Robert Wise and starring Robert Ryan, and it's a movie that is told in real time. Before that was a kind of taken up too much by other people as a gimmick about a boxer who is a constant loser and his manager has bet basically taken money for a fix but not told him because he's so sure that Robert Ryan's going to lose this fight. And unfortunately, things go a little better for Robert Ryan, which means they're going to go a lot worse for Robert Ryan. Uh, and he's become going to become a victim of this setup. And it's a taut, tight little, less, I think, around an hour and 15-minute movie told in real time about a boxer going into a match not knowing what trouble he's about to enter into and the repercussions thereof. Uh, And it's a nice little uh, movie from when Robert Wise was making kind of short, tight, thriller-type movies before he started making stuff like The Sound of Music. Um, The setup. I'd like to recommend a movie uh, that I saw. It's in theaters now. Uh, It's called Under the Skin. It's directed by Jonathan Glazier who made uh, Sexy Beast and Birth, both of which are, uh, you know, interesting, good movies to one degree or another. But 
I think neither really um, measures up to Under the Skin, which I think is kind of an amazing movie. Um, I don't want to say too much about it. No spoilers, dude. Uh, it stars Scarlett Johansson. It's about it's based on a Stephen King book about a town that gets trapped under the skin, <laughs> <laughs> under an yeah. enormous skin. It's terrifying. I imagine the ending will be stupid. No, it's it's <laughs> it's. I don't. I think that it's out there enough that it's not spoilers enough. It's not really spoilers to say that Scarlett Johansson is not a human character in it. Hmm, and um, she's a robot. You a bicentennial woman. You see. Um, <laughs> It's it's kind of a character study where you see humanity through non-human eyes, mm. and you feel how alien it, it must see to seem to an alien presence. So it's like an artsy version of Femalian, or or yeah, that's I basically mean, species, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Except Femalian didn't kill people. Honestly, like it feels like kind of like a horror movie version of Upstream Color, although that huh. like doesn't even really sell it either. Because like to call it a horror movie, I think. Pigeonholes it? Pigeonholes it a little bit. Uh, but it is genuinely disquieting. It's a movie that does not the body count? fully explain everything that goes on in it. Although, As Joe Bob Briggs would say, what kind of foos are in it? <laughs> Chicken foo, blender foo. <laughs> I mean, you can you can you can understand everything that goes on in the movie pretty easily, but the movie doesn't uh, feed anything to you. Um, so if you're hungry, don't go see the movie. <laughs> yeah. And Get a hamburger, <laughs> then go see Under the Skin. But the, I think the movie does uh, sort of make you view humanity kind of in a different light, like from as in, from an outsider's light. It makes you makes you think about what it is to be a person. It makes you think about like the differences between men and women. Like it's very hypnotic in a way that is not boring. It's kind of freighted with meaning. Like there's a bunch of. Uh, kind of blank spaces in the movie that aren't blank because you're really filling them with your own sort of thoughts about various things. I will warn people that, as I said, it is a disquieting movie, and there are a couple things that could upset people. There's an attempted rape scene in the movie. There's a scene where um, that that involves a kind of casual, everyday horror of something going very wrong very quickly that involves a, a a baby. Uh so if either of those things seem like something that would upset you greatly, maybe you wouldn't want to go see the movie. Maybe but go see the Lego movie. Yeah. But it's a very good movie. So I recommend it. The Lego the movie skin. is a very good movie. I'm not saying that's a bad choice. <clears throat> yeah. No, no, no. Uh so I'm gonna stick with this theme of mm-hmm. boxing and aliens. <laughs> <laughs> a movie called Boxing it's Alien. It's called Just Fucking With You. I'm going to recommend a movie called The Raid 2, mm-hmm. uh, the sequel to an earlier Stuart recommendation of The Raid. Uh, this one's directed by Gareth Evans again. It is a continuation of the story of the... <laughs> of which there was very little. Of, of the first the story movie. of a guy who wanted to punch everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but this this movie continues the story, but it takes it outside of the like the strict confines of the housing block. Uh, it, the character, the hero of the first movie, Rama, switches in a way switches roles in that he is basically pushed into going undercover, um, and it leads to a shitload of fights. Uh, there are bad guys known only as Baseball Batman and Hammer Girl. Uh, and oh, so the like, assassin, and like a backup dancer for Hammer, and mm-hmm. uh, exactly, and like the baseball fury is an old boy. <laughs> there is, yeah. uh, it, this movie is shockingly violent. Uh, it is very gory, and, just like the first one, but yeah, more so. You're saying more so, and it's also very long. It's I think two and a half hours long, yeah. uh, but it is. I mean, the action is just so well done, and it's it's so intense that. By the end of the movie, you just like the first one are going to feel exhausted, and it's uh, it's and it's just beautifully shot and well acted. It's awesome. So go see it. I don't know where it's it's only playing a couple places around the U.S. right now, but <laughs> I think be, it's good. It's going to get a wider know. release than DVD. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know where it's playing. I don't, I don't give know. a shit. Just you okay. watch it when it comes into your eyes. You know, make a wish and <laughs> close your eyes, and maybe it'll show up. Yep. <laughs> You know, Dust off that monkey's ball. You like, probably got a finger. I didn't know it was our responsibility out. to direct people to specific you know, theaters. Right, let me open up the listings. Yeah, I mean, like, Hold on. Uh, let's fucking see. Elliot's. You have to take a fucking DeLorean at, back in uh, time to watch. Uh, you just want. You got to use DVD, one of those sex-powered time machines we talked about. <laughs> yeah, you got to make love in the fucking engine room to power that Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. there's an I guess there is an engine room in a Zeppelin. Any anything that has a you know anything with a large engine has an engine. Are you saying that Emmanuel was lying to me? (laughs) (laughs) They don't have one of those. Yeah, when 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 Emmanuel in a Zeppelin (laughs) was made to that room that has a bunch of like tubes that twist around. When they did that, Emmanuel tubes that twist around. Emmanuel through time series, and they did Emmanuel's erotic Hindenburg. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out what crashed it was sex. Oh, the humanity. Um. Anyway, I hurt. Sorry, I hurt myself. I apologize to the seniors listening to this. <laughs> uh, before we wrap up, I'm gonna. Uh, I want to do a quick plug uh, for the people in New York and Brooklyn. If you have a chance on May 4th, uh, it's a Sunday night. Please come down to Charlene's Bar where they are celebrating their fifth anniversary, uh, and I will be drinking there. I'm sure I'll probably convince at least one other flopper to be there drinking. Uh, probably Dan. the one who doesn't have a baby. Yeah, probably the non-baby haver, Dan. Uh, so come on down, Ooh, no Charlene's baby. Bar, fifth anniversary. And if I can have a plug, uh, coming out the day we recorded this, but when this episode won't air for another little bit, uh, I have a story in a comic book called Superior Foes of Spider-Man, number 11. I have uh, an eight-page story in there about the looter, everyone's favorite <laughs> Spider-Man villain who gets his strength from meteor gas. <laughs> So uh, I don't think there's a lot of crossover between Flophouse listeners and comic book purchasers. No, not a big amount. So uh, The Superior Foes of Spider-Man number 11. Check it out. I wrote some of it. That's awesome. That's awesome, guys. I'm glad we all got stuff going on. Yeah, we're, we're busy <laughs> well, dudes. Well, I mean, we did. You don't have anything. I mean, right? I got that thing that we're all doing together. Yeah, but that doesn't count. We cancel each other out on that. Okay. Um I, uh, I mean, I'm you're baking a lot of bread recently. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're working go. your way through the bread alphabet. <laughs> maybe yeah. let's uh, maybe let's end <laughs> this right. flop house before we have to talk more about Dan's alphabet bread obsession. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not fucking baking bread in the shape of all the letters. Yeah, yeah. All I the can't wait from, to see the fucking uh, evidence dungeon that's all, left behind after that. <laughs> all the way from aardvark loaf to zebra slices. <laughs> Every bread in the bread alphabet. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, thanks, guys. Uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm still Stuart Wellington. And I will always be Elliot Kalen, no matter how hard I try. Good night, everyone. Hey, you're worth it. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Are we ready to do this? I'm ready. You want to well, mumble some more? Well, you're not, Scipio. <laughs> Put your drink down and start talking. In Roman General Scipio. <laughs> Always wasting time sipping drinks. Three.